everybody. Got your walking shoes on? Let's power walk the Bible. This is episode eight, and we began talking about the wisdom literature of the Bible in our last episode when we discussed Job. Today, we're going to cover the remaining wisdom books of the Old Testament, and that would be Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. Now, in our next episode, we're going to move into the Old Testament prophets. Their words are just as relevant today as they were when they were written, and you don't want to miss this discussion. So if you want to do some reading before you listen to episode nine, read the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah. They're a little bit longer, so allow some time for that. As you read, remember that prophecy in the Bible may have as many as three levels of meaning for the current time, for the relatively near future, and for the end of times. So as you read, try not to get wrapped up in when this is happening, but rather what is happening and why. We'll talk about that more uh, in episode nine. So if you would pray with me together as we get started. Almighty God, my heavenly Father, make me an instrument of your salvation for these precious people that you've entrusted to my care through this podcast, that by my life and teaching, I set forth your true and living word. In Jesus' holy name, amen. As always, we talk about all of the scriptures that we're covering today, but we also focus a bit on a particular passage. So today our passage is Psalm 71, verses 1 through 18. Listen as I read that now from the New International Version. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, hmm, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far away from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how 
to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So I have a question for you today. Are you tired yet? You mean, I mean, we have now are in our eighth episode of this series, and in the last four episodes alone, we have power walked nearly 1,000 years of history with lots of kings, lots of prophets, lots of judges. Phew! I'm always reminded at this point in the journey of our grandson, Carter. See, Keith and I have nine grandchildren. The first six were boys, then the last three have been girls. About 20 years ago, Keith and I began to spend a week each summer with our grandchildren, playing, traveling, and of course, no surprise, studying the Bible. Over the years, of course, uh, they're They've gotten older. The older ones have gotten much bigger, and we've added new little ones to our trip as they, quote, qualified. Now, the translation of qualified is they have to be at least three years old and potty trained. You hear me on this. I know you do. Just know Daddy Keith and Nana Pam are smarter than we look. Huh. Anyway, Carter was only four when he became a part of our group but instantly he made his mark. His older cousins named him the Little General. Carter was always ready to give directions and to lead the pack, even though he was the smallest one there. He was also always ready to answer any question that Nana Pam asks about the Bible, thanks to his inquisitive mind and some good training at home. But even Carter would get a little confused by all the many names, places, and events in the Bible. One year for our daily Bible time, we were making a sprint, not a power walk, a sprint through the Bible, much like we are here, but much faster, hitting, as Keith would say, the highlights of the highlights of the highlights. Carter had recently attended Vacation Bible School, and met his new favorite character in the Bible, the reluctant prophet, Jonah. Carter was fixated on Jonah, and he wanted to answer every question with his favorite character, Jonah. So for that particular trip, that particular study of the Bible, it was Jonah's Ark, Jonah's coat of many colors, Jonah in the basket in the Nile, Jonah at the battle of Jericho. You get the idea. The point is, he may have had the names wrong, but he knew the stories and they meant something to him, even at 
five years old. So don't feel overwhelmed with the many judges, kings, and prophets we've been discussing. They do tend to run together. The important thing to remember is the story, the ongoing saga of God and his work to redeem humanity and restore us to perfect relationship with him and with each other and with creation as it was in the beginning. So we now come to one of the most familiar and beloved books in the Bible. Psalms is a compilation of songs, prayers, and poetry written by many authors over hundreds of years. And yes, many of the Psalms are attributed to King David, but certainly not all. The Psalms are often referred to as God's prayer book. Many people have found great comfort and wisdom in praying the Psalms or using the words of the ancient psalmists as their own prayers. I'm one of those, and I highly recommend this practice. One way to find meaning in the Psalms is to see them as they were originally written. Prayers for different occasions and different circumstances in our lives. In other words, there are prayers of worship when everything is going well in our lives. We might think of those as psalms of stability. Then there are prayers for deliverance when things are not going so well. We might think of those as psalms of disruption. And then finally, prayers of thanksgiving and praise when God has answered our cries for help. Restoration psalms. A good example of the sequence of stability, disruption, and restoration can be found in Psalms 21, 22, and 23. All three of these are attributed to David. In this sequence, Psalm 21 is the prayer of stability. It begins, O Lord, the King rejoices in your strength. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him the desire of his heart and have not withheld the request of his lips. In other words, everything's going great, God. Thank you. It's all good. Note that Psalm 21 is 13 verses long. But then we go to Psalm 22 and we read immediately, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning? First of all, where have you also heard these words? Yes, from Jesus on the cross. In fact, this is one of part of the stations of the cross, a way of experiencing the crucifixion of Jesus, uh, probably most familiar to our Catholic brothers and sisters who are listening and to those of you who have been to Israel. Note the change at the beginning, the change in tone. Now we have, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not only are things going badly, but God, you've abandoned me. This is a psalm of disruption. And note also, it's 31 verses long, more than twice the length of Psalm 21, the it's all good prayer. Finally, we come to Psalm 23. 
We are probably most familiar with the 23rd Psalm, and I suspect it may be one of your favorites. I'm with you there. Listen to some of its familiar words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is saying, essentially, you have saved me once again, Lord. You restored me back to safety, to peace, surrounded by your love. This is a psalm of restoration. And honestly, sometimes the kind of prayer we pray the least, right? God comes to our aid, but then we forget to thank him. Note that even for David, it's only six verses long. His prayer for help, accusing God of abandoning him, well, that was five times longer. So since we're talking about our God of wisdom today, we need to note that many of the Psalms speak of God's wisdom, such as Psalm 27, where we read, Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Here, God's wisdom takes the image of a straight path, walking in God's way. In the Psalms and in the rest of the Bible, God's wisdom is often expressed as his law. Psalm 19, a portion of which we read earlier as our call to worship, demonstrates this. A friend, Reverend Jim Turley, wrote me that Psalm 19 is his favorite. He first read it as he was experiencing his conversion during the summer of 1985. During that summer, he read all of C.S. Lewis's books and was most influenced by Mere Christianity, where Lewis describes Psalm 19 as the perfect psalm. I would have to agree, as it begins talking about God as creator. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Then focuses on God's law, what we read earlier and concludes with words of repentance and a plea for reconciliation. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Other Psalms also focus on repentance and contrition, asking forgiveness, such as Psalm 51, which is a great, some would say, a perfect example of what repentance and contrition really mean. You see, Psalm 51 is the Psalm David wrote after being convicted of his sin with Bathsheba. David begins with these words, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Then later, we read these familiar verses, words in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. 
and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Repentance and contrition. Now, obviously, we can't cover all the glories of the Psalms in this quick overview, but I want to make one more connection for you before we move on to Proverbs. First, some trivia. Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm, and Psalm 119 is the longest. But in between these two, we find Psalm 118 often referred to as the psalm of the returning king or the returning victor. This psalm was typically sung to honor kings returning victorious from war. The people would shout or sing the words as the king entered the city. Several passages in Psalm 18 may be familiar to you, but one that might stand out is verse 28. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Looking ahead, we'll see that it is Psalm 118 that the Jewish people shout and sing as Jesus enters Jerusalem the Sunday prior to his crucifixion. We'll discuss its significance more later in our Power Walk. The last three books of wisdom in today's reading are typically attributed to King Solomon. You may remember that when God asked Solomon what he could give him, what God could give him, Solomon asked for wisdom. And he was known as the wisest man on earth. So it makes sense that he either wrote these books himself or had them written at his direction. Proverbs is a collection of sayings by teachers of Israel, instructions for living, we might say. And as you might expect from Solomon, the book begins with a discussion of the importance of wisdom. In chapter one, wisdom is personified as a woman calling in the streets to all who will listen. Chapters one through nine present the teachings of this woman, woman wisdom, We find one of my favorite scriptures here, a scripture that reminds us that God is the source of all true wisdom. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Keith and I know many people who have chosen this as their life scripture, the one that guides their decisions and centers them in their faith. It reminds us that when we trust in our own knowledge, I hesitate to call it wisdom, we are on a crooked path, wandering here and there, zigzagging to avoid falling into this pit or that pit. But if we trust in God, our God of wisdom, he will make our path straight. And most importantly, we must be humble. Don't be proud of your own intelligence or knowledge. Remember who blessed you with that brain to begin with. God is the only one who is truly wise. In chapters 10 through 29, 
we find the Proverbs of Solomon, which kind of seem to be the one-liners of the Bible. Each short verse, verse instructs the readers in God's ways. Some of that seem particularly appropriate to us today, particularly to most of us listening here, are Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept an instruction, and in the end you will be wise. In Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. And finally, Proverbs 20, 29, the glory of young men is their strength, but gray hair is the splendor of the old. Aha, that's a bit reassuring for all of us these days, isn't it? But it doesn't really make sense until you ask the question, how did we get that gray hair? I suggest that we got it from our mistakes our trials from living this life here on earth, but not living it alone in partnership with God as we seek his wisdom for us in his book, the Bible, his word, and through prayer in each new experience. The last chapter of Proverbs seems to be a bookend for the beginning of the book where we met woman wisdom. Here, after much discussion of devious women, the writer introduces us to the virtuous woman. It's really a fitting conclusion to the book because it connects us back to the place we started. The virtuous woman is described as a wife of noble character who is worth far more than rubies. And in closing, we read in Proverbs 31.30, Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. Don't we know that? But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen? Do I hear one out there? As we move on in the book of Ecclesiastes, we see that it is written as a teacher speaking to the young men of Israel. Of course, the young men were the only ones who were educated by an official teacher. And initially, the teacher focuses on the meaningless of life, since everyone, rich or poor, wise or foolish, comes to the same fate. In Ecclesiastes 1.9, we read what is called the teacher's lament. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. In chapter three, we find some of the teacher's poetry that became a hit, actually, for the rock group, The Birds, back in the 60s. Yes, I know you remember that. The beautiful to everything, there is a season passage. But most of the book encourages the reader to eat, drink, and find pleasure in work, since everything ultimately turns to dust, which honestly seems to be in direct contrast with what we just read in Proverbs. What has happened? How could this be written by the same person? But then, in the final verses, we see that the teacher has actually been setting us up for the real lesson. Because in Ecclesiastes 12, 1a and 6, we read, 
Remember your creator in your prime, before the days of trouble arrive, before the silver cord snaps and the gold bowl shatters, the jar is broken at the spring and wheel is crushed at the pit, before dust returns to the earth as it was before and life breath returns to God who gave it. Those words, remember your creator. I mentioned C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity earlier. These verses remind me of a passage where Lewis is reflecting on the problem of evil in the world. Lewis states the question, if there is a God and he loves his creation, why doesn't he intervene in all of the horrors of the world? Lewis reminds us that when God comes, it will be the end of life as we know it. The play is over, the curtain falls. So rhetorically then, why doesn't God intervene? Lewis asks, because he is giving us as long as possible to accept him, to know him, to come over to his side in Lewis's words. When God does intervene, as so many cry out for him to do, it will be too late. Here in Ecclesiastes, the teacher says the same thing. Don't delay. Fear God now in your youth or whatever age you may be before you return to the dust from which you came. Seek God's wisdom now no matter how young or old you are, it's never too late. So now as we come to the end of the wisdom writings, we find a very different kind of book, a true love story. On the surface, it is the story of love between a man and a woman, a declaration of love between the lover and the beloved. You may read it just as this and get a message. Human love, between one woman and one man is beautiful when it is a committed, unselfish, and unconditional love. God blesses that kind of love. Or you can read it as an analogy between God and his people, Israel. For our Jewish brothers and sisters, this is what they see. And we will see this imagery again as we go forward in our readings of the prophets. God is the lover, Israel is the beloved. This committed, unselfish, and unconditional love is how God loves Israel, despite her unfaithfulness and her failure to keep the covenant. But for us as Christ followers, there is another level of understanding. This love story is about Jesus and his love for us, his church. We are the recipient of his committed, unselfish, unconditional love. We are the ones who lived out that radical love for us by dying on the cross. We will live with him again through eternity as his beloved. So Song of Songs is much more than just a little love story tucked 
into the Old Testament. Remember, God is a God of purpose. Everything he does, everything he says, and everything in his book is there for a reason. Okay, as we close, I want to take us back to our focus for today, our God of wisdom, and also to our scripture for today that I read earlier. I chose this Psalm, number 71, for two important reasons. First, it shows us the kind of wisdom God has to impart to us. And it reminds us that we, as older, mature believers, have a unique purpose when it comes to that wisdom. Follow along in your Bibles, if you can, as we revisit the first 18 verses of Psalm 71. The first verses remind us of what we have learned about God and through God's care for us throughout our lives. We remember that God is the one we've turned to in times of trouble. God is our refuge, our rock, and our fortress. God has also been our deliverer from the wicked, from evil, and from cruelty. God has provided our hope, and we've been confident in him all the way back to when we were children, teenagers, young adults. We've relied on him since birth whether we knew it or not. And because of this relationship, we have become signs to others. What does this mean? How have we become signs to others? By the way, we are constantly praising God, giving him credit for the blessings in our lives. Yes, that's a way that we are a sign. And yes, we've gotten old. Okay, some of us have gotten old and we've gotten weak, some of us. And it may look like to others that we are falling apart. But we know God is still there. He has taught us that, made us wise over the years to his ways. And so we will just praise him more and more. In verse 17, the psalmist sums it up. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. And then, in the very last verse, we understand why God has given us this marvelous gift of wisdom, his wisdom, wisdom to trust him, to place our hope in him, to give him credit for the blessings in our lives. And we learn why we are still here, what purpose we could possibly serve at this point in our lives. In verse 18, we read, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I began today by telling you about our grandson, Carter, who is learning about God and growing in God's wisdom through his parents and his grandparents. 
I was blessed also to have Christian parents and grandparents. I had and still have a precious mother, and she has always been a blessing. But I also had a grandmother, her mother, who went to be with Jesus just short of her 101st birthday. In her later years, when we would have time together, my grandmother would often say, Pam, I don't know why I'm still here. All my friends are gone. They think I missed the gate. What purpose could God possibly have for me here? And in those moments, God, thankfully, would take control of my tongue and these words would come out. To be a blessing to your family, Mama, to show us how to live well, to teach us God's wisdom as you have lived it for over a century. Yes, our God is a God of wisdom and we should fear that. Honor that and allow him to continue to teach us through our lives here on earth. But that's not all. We need to understand that we are still here, not to fade into history, but to share what we have learned with our children, our grandchildren, to share not just our favorite memories of hobbies or travel destinations or family events or foods or activities, but to share our memories of God working in our lives, to share God's wisdom with them so that they may live their lives as his beloved people, serving him, growing in wisdom. This, for me, and hopefully for you, is the blessing of gray hair, of old age, of weak bodies, the blessing of a lifetime of knowing, serving, and worshiping our God of wisdom. Praise the Lord. This is God's story for your life.